Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazu live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. I'm your host, Dexter Henry, for the NBA Exchange. I wish I had some really good story this week for this Wednesday to talk about why I'm in a good mood. Not really. There's nothing really going on sports-wise. You know, last Friday I came off the high of the, the Mets' comeback victory. I saw in Philly. Talked about that with Keith Pompey. Last week I had to needle Gerard. You know what I'm saying? Let him know about how Liverpool was doing in Champions League, and we're going to win that FA Cup on Saturday. So maybe I'll be in a good mood on Monday. But, you know, nothing really has been going on this week. You know, I'm going to keep it even. I'm not going to, you know, gloat too much or have anything to really be happy about. But, you know, we'll find out real soon how Gerard feels about his Grizzly Cubs because they are on the brink of elimination. No, we are not playing taps on them yet for this show. We will not be doing that. But it is Wednesday. That means it's NBA with nuance time. That means my man Gerard Hector joining me. Gerard, how are you feeling? Are you feeling as good this Wednesday as I was feeling last Wednesday? I mean, I feel fine. You know, the Grizzlies are trying to stave off elimination as, uh, you know, at, uh, on the day that we record this. It's all good, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the Grizzlies. So what you're saying, though, Dexter, is you're not mm-hmm. feeling as good as Tom Brady is this week, knowing that when you finish your career, you have a $400 million payday waiting for you. Yo. I'm glad you brought that up. We had not planned to talk about this. We're not, and I, I saw the news pop yesterday. Um, I, I saw some people at, at work doing some stuff. I saw a lot of conversation on social media that I didn't totally dive into. I will say this, and I'm curious as to how you feel about this as a content creator too. There is something to the people who are like, yo, look, I create content. I've done stuff on digital platforms, on TV. I went to school for this. and this dude, while he's a Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best, um, is going to get paid that much amount of money to be on TV. And I'll even go to other athletes, particularly athletes of color, particularly black athletes, who've had to come on TV and put in the work before they even saw good money. Um, and I wanted to say, I think those people have a lot of valid points when we talk, when we look at this stuff in terms of opportunity, who gets the opportunities. And, I mean, it's not a good look. It looks like a lot of other stuff where 
you see certain people who get the opportunities. So yeah, I don't. I mean, listen, I'm never mad at somebody else getting their bag. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we gotta look at how this stuff goes on different levels, even despite the 375 million dollars that Brady is gonna get. Yeah, man, I'm with you there. I I, I saw that number. I was like, I'm sorry, he's getting what? <laughs> like with no TV experience, I get that he's Tom Brady, and as you mentioned, all the bona fides and accolades. Uh, greatest quarterback of all time, yada yada. By the way, uh, need to plan to say this, but let's can we stop and pause with the whole greatest athlete of all time, greatest sports player of all time? Yo, whoa, sorry, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Brady ain't even in the top 25 in that conversation. Sorry, you play a sport where you only play one half of the game on offense and you sit the other half. Nah, sorry, my man, you don't get to be in that conversation. But be that as it may, look, it's also a commentary on society, Dexter, right? Which is what we value, we being the collective we, is celebrity, mm-hmm. right? And in America, Tom Brady is a celebrity, right? And therefore, that's the kind of money that he's going to command. Um, I always find football talk funny because outside of the United States of America, nobody gives a damn about American football. So All right. while, while Tom Brady is like this American superstar, globally, he's no one. Right. I, you're right about the price and, and the other thing, the thing I think that infuriates other people who are broadcasters, journalists, uh, sports reporters, like my anchors, reporters like myself or whatever, is that, look, these stations always act like they can't pay people. Clearly y'all can. Oh, yeah, they y'all got money. find the money when you want to. It's <laughs> something I always tell reporters, and this is why I tell other journalists and fellow journalists, you have to know your worth on this stuff. Um, they can find the money when they want to. Now, you could tell me that Tom Brady brings value, and I think Gerard makes a fantastic point about um, the value being celebrity <laughs> to, to that, right? And it's a name, and there's a certain amount of money they'd be willing to pay, of course. Now, that doesn't mean he'll be a good broadcaster. It also doesn't mean Tom Brady will be a bad broadcaster. Right. Um, I don't think so, but he secured the bag before he has even finished playing. We know these conversations are always going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just saying, doing the stuff in my career, pay me. Hey me, GTBW man. Woo. That's, that's all I'm saying. But we're not going to make this a football uh, show. We're here to talk about some basketball. What's up, Manny? I see you out. You're watching and checking in. We appreciate you. Um, let's get right into it. <laughs> Your Grizzly comes. Mm. Um, all right. Let's first start with the John Morant situation. So yesterday comes out. We were wondering what the injury was with his knee. We now know it is a bone bruise. Playoff return is doubtful. Grizzlies playoff hopes also hanging in the, on the line. Uh, just how big of a blow was it, especially when you look at what happened in game four um, for for them? You know, how big of a blow was it, you know, with, with the Grizzlies? Yeah, it's huge, man. Like, Ja, of course, is the engine that drives everything with that, that team and that organization. And so, you know, there are – they were missing that, and you saw it. He is that person that can drive, get to the basket when things are going kind of haywire. You know, he's kind of a calm, steadying force, even in this young stage of his of his NBA career and development. So not having your best player, your your team MVP, of course, hurts. You know, and a lot of the Grizzlies fans are talking. Yeah, but 20 and five all season without Ja or 25, whatever the record was. And I always say, look, guys, it's all well and good. And that shows the team can play without him which they did, by the way, in that game four. They led for 45 and a half minutes, right? 46 minutes of the game. Um, But playoffs are so different. And when it becomes this predatorial seek and destroy and hunt mentality and execution on both ends of the floor, 
you need to have everything working for you in order for that to for you to have the best chance of a, a positive outcome. And the Grizzlies just didn't have that in game four. So not having him for game five, of course, is going to be a, a, a big, a big problem. Yeah, it's going to be a big problem. And it was tough because, you know, pretty much I thought they hung tough. They fought hard. They should have um, won. Yeah, I, I thought they fought hard. I was actually really impressed um, with how they played in that game, despite having no Morant. And it was funny. I asked Justin Lewis when he was on the show the other day, did any of it matter with what they had done in the regular season playing without Morant and having such a good record. And, you know, we said it doesn't know how much it translates because the playoffs are a different animal, but I think it did matter somewhat. There was some confidence. Um, we saw some disorganization with their offense down the stretch, but, you know, I think it was fine. So after that tough game four loss, Gerard, the million-dollar question is, are the Grizzlies done? Are they cooked? Is this going to be a gentleman's sweep? That we see, we'll talk more about this on the betting aspect. But is are they done? I mean, the, the series is over, right? Because it's it's it, first of all, no. Even if John Morant was healthy, the war the beating the Warriors three times out of the next four, uh, highly, highly. I'm sorry, three times, three straight, the next three games, highly unlikely. Um, this, this team is too good. The Warriors have too much championship DNA, too much know how and knowledge, and they've been here before. Um, so the series is over regardless. The question is, do does Memphis force a game back in San Francisco for a game six? I would like to think they do, but the Warriors also know the value of, of being rested, and they want to get this series over and done with quickly and rest up for whoever comes out of that that battle between the Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks. So that's going to be a tough series. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. We will see. But uh, you know, you got to give credit to the to the Grizzlies for what they've accomplished this season. I think you and I talked about this before, no matter what had happened. You said it. Sharon Brown said it when I had it on. Justin said it the other day. No matter what happened, this is a wildly successful season for this franchise. They've done a fantastic job. Um, and, you know, you got to be impressed with what they've done. And the future's bright. Yeah. You know, I think there's some things that made some slight changes they might have to make, including possibly getting Dylan Brooks about it there, <laughs> who... Uh, Stunk up the joint the other night. But, uh, you know, that's for the offseason. But I think there's a lot of things, Steve, you should be excited about if you're a Grizzlies fan. And, look, you never know when you're going to get back, but they have a nice young core that I think could take some steps to the next level. Now, It's it's, it's about building, Dexter, right, really quick. Like, they have everyone in the organization has something to build on. The players know what they need to work on in the offseason to improve their games. Taylor Jenkins is the head coach. Remember, this is also his – I mean – they were in the playoffs last year, won the first game against Utah, lost four straight. Um, this is his like early go around in his career as a playoff coach, knowing, hmm, adjustments and what I have to do is different, right? Maybe for as much as people tell you, Dexter, the playoffs are not like the regular season. It's just talk until you actually have to experience it. When you experience it, you're like, oh, you're right. The playoffs is not like the regular season, right? I have to be able to make adjustments and be willing to scrap what I'm doing and you know, it, you know, that Nick Nurse approach where it's like, I'm not married to anything. Whatever's going to get us a win, that's what I'm going to do, right? Mm. Ty Lue, et cetera. So, yeah, I think for everybody on board, but you mentioned Grizzlies' future is looking bright. Yeah, man, I, I, think it's, I think it's definitely bright. I'm really excited to see what they do next. And also, the hunger they come back with next year. You know, there, there is lessons that can be uh, learned in terms of losing um, and what they learn and the hunger and playing better and defending better. And, you know, I think we'll see all that. I think they're far from done. So we'll see. Now, moving a step closer, the Suns in the heat last night. These games were not even competitive, Gerard. I turned that Suns game off and I took it to bed early. Didn't have time to do that. Um, Those teams are now one step closer 
towards making the conference finals. Um, how impressed are you with what they did in those critical game fives that we saw last night? Yeah, let's start with Miami first. I mean, man, they, it was a beatdown, huh? They just kind of really smacked the 76ers around. Embiid and Harden didn't have excellent games. I mean, really, nobody on Philly really had a great game. Yep. Um, you know, Miami had collective uh, out offensive output up and down the roster, but more importantly, defensively, they shut off the 76ers' water. And we know that Miami can ratchet up and play a kind of defense that it's really tough to score on, right? And they, I was impressed with that. Bam had a great defensive game. Shout out to War Brian. Um, it was, it, it, it was. It was really a, a a way in which when you are tied 2-2 and everybody knows that game five is pivotal, it was sending a statement winning that game five, right? Same thing in Phoenix. You know, the game was close at halftime. Phoenix comes out in the third quarter, 17-0 run, just blitzes Dallas and puts the game away. And that series, by the way, Dexter, Phoenix-Dallas getting very spicy in terms of mm-hmm. who's saying what, who's trying to fight, who's whatever. It's just, you know, but this is what happens in the playoffs, right? You see a team, the same team, over the course of 7 to 10 to 12 to 14 days, people start getting on each other's nerves, right? And you really start feeling some kind of way. Yeah, you definitely start feeling some kind of way about that. You know who likes that? You know who likes all that antagonism, (laughs) that fighting? Brian Fonseca. And I got to say, Brian has to feel good about this. Uh, And you know Brian's feeling good about this because he already came in the chat. And he's letting y'all know he put Bam with the five or six locks out here, <laughs> letting you know who he thought should be defensive player of the year. That's what he's saying. Y'all trust me. That's what he's I saying. I mean, I, I, I did see a tweet by Brian Day that said, can't play him off the floor. Now, B, come on now. You know that that narrative about Rudy getting played off the floor is not exactly true. Come on, man. Stop being one of these Twitter dudes. But yeah, no, uh, Bam Bam was excellent. And Bam is excellent. Uh, he's he's maybe you know for sure one of the best defenders for sure of of this era um he's extremely versatile can switch one through five and that kind of positional flexibility is what makes miami so tough what the guy i want to talk about with miami that i feel like there's no way you can't talk about him is jimmy butler Mm. and when you look at jimmy butler and if you're a philadelphia 76ers fan you have to be saying what did we do how do we let this guy go? Yeah, he's yeah. been cooking. He cooked in the two straight games on the road, but the rest of Miami's offense did nothing. Um, and then he comes home, another damn good performance here mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic in this series. He's pretty much been fantastic in the playoffs outside of, you know, one of the, I think it was a game three against Atlanta, and then he missed yeah. the game. Outside of that, he's been fine. I mean, how impressed have you been with Jimmy? Because I've I'm not shocked. It's just that, like, Damn, Philly, you could have had this guy helping you close games. What did I see on on Synergy? I think he's in the playoffs, one of the best uh, per-possession scorers in the playoffs right now, 1.28, 1.3 points, something of that nature. He, he, he's he been phenomenal. Jimmy's an excellent player. You know, Draymond talks all the time about 82-game players versus 16-game players. You know, we know that Jimmy for sure is a 16-game player, right? Like, he's someone who's going to give you – everything on both ends of the floor and is a kind of player you need if you want to, you know, want to have winning basketball, right? That's, that's, that's just plain and simple. You know, the question for me, of course, always going forward with Miami is whoever they play in the next round, what's that series going to be like, right? Because 
Boston can defend, Milwaukee can defend, the Heat can defend. We might be going back to 1960s basketball or 70s basketball. Oh, you can't wait for this. You know, oh, you can't wait oh, for this. Oh, my, my eyes are going to be bleeding <laughs> during this series. Like, I'm just going to be like, God, please. First first team to get to 75 might win. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and, and somebody, we need to get uh, you and Brian out for drink somewhere <laughs> where you can watch this game. And uh, somebody's going to be crying. Because they don't like it, and the other person will be crying tears of joy because they can't believe they're seeing such beautiful physical basketball. And I think I think we all know know who that is. There you go, Brian Fonseca. Ninety to eighty eight final Ugh. scores all next round. And he loves it. Ugly. He loves it. He loves it. Add, add in a, a kerfuffle or two, as Brian will say, and he's all in. Now, with all that, we we just lauded the uh, the Heat and the Suns. They are now a game away, but the Mavs and the Sixers, they have huge game sixes at home coming up tomorrow night. Do you think either of those teams or both can force a game seven? I mean, look, either team could because they're going home, right? So ostensibly their role players will be better, right? Um, And, you know, it isn't like, I mean, Miami more so than Phoenix is are prone to have, you know, kind of offensive meltdowns and sort of like, for a play for, for stretches, more so than Phoenix, though Phoenix isn't perfect either. Um, but I, I really think the team with the best chance to win game six is probably Dallas, um, just because of the way they play at home and the way their role players are shooting the ball at home. Uh, for Philly, it's going to take a good and B game. He doesn't have to be great. It doesn't need to be like MVP level, but just good enough drawing double teams, kicking out, and you need to throw back Harden game, right? Harden's good. Oh, and I don't God. mean I don't mean 35 and 10 and all that, you know, but yo, you got to not turn the ball over. And you gotta, if you're taking eight threes, you gotta be making three or four of those, my guy. Can't be one of eight or oh of eight. Or, that, that ain't it. That are is, you, that's not gonna be. Trusting it. Harden in oh. a big game. That's, that's always been the thing, too. Even before we, we started talking about whether he looks cooked or not, are you trusting right. him in a big game? I mean, look, we, we, we know what his playoff history says about, about big games. Um, you know, while it's a bit overblown, it's not that he's terrible in every big game. It's that as of late, right? Most the majority of his Houston career hasn't been good in big games, but more so, Dexter. It's less about Harden in big games than Harden healthy. Like he's just not right. And as your point is, he's cooked. So, as Coach Thorpe says, you know, when you're an older player, greatness just happens less frequently, right? It's not that you can't be great anymore. It's just that, no man, it's just hard to be great that many times. And we may have seen this playoffs that last game, great game from Harden was game was game three or game four, excuse me. Yeah, and as Coach Thorpe said last week in a video. Uh, we did with True Hoop. Look, you need him to be that person multiple times. He talked to. He said four times in the series, and maybe five that. times in the series. And we ain't that. And yeah, you ain't getting that no more. And that's the problem. That's ooh, six is off season when that comes. Oh man, it's gonna be a. That it's already a dumpster fire over there. It's going to be insane what they do in the off season. It's gonna be interesting. Speaking of dumpster fire, <laughs> the Lakers. <laughs> Yo, your girl was out here, Jeannie Bus, you know, making comments, talking to the people, talk to Bill Plasky of the LA Times, let him know that she thought the Lakers should have what she expected them to have gone further this season. I mean, here's the thing. I get what she's saying. She said they had the fourth highest payroll. She thought they should have done better. She wanted more bang for her buck. I, I get all that. We all do. But come on, man. We all knew at the beginning of the season this roster was messed up. We knew it. Everybody could see it. Stevie Wonder could see it. Everybody <laughs> knew that this roster was flawed. Okay? 
And so I'm like, where did that go in line with your expectations? What did you make, Gerard, of Jeannie Buss's comments around your favorite team out in Hollywood? <laughs> what did you make of those comments? Because it sure wasn't winning time. <laughs> I see what you did there. You know what's funny about that? As a kid growing up, as you know, I was a Lakers fan, right? 85 NBA Finals is my first memory of basketball. I was a huge Magic Kareem guy growing up. So grew up rooting for the Lakers. Um, amazing franchise. And I want to be clear. I think Jeannie Buss is wonderful i've heard nothing but great things about her from people around the league like a wonderful team governor all that but yo genie homegirl like the idea that you thought because you spent the fourth highest payroll in the league that guaranteed you since when like it, that mindset has got to change and i read the the, the, the interview she did with Splashky, and look i hear what she's saying but none of that stuff in la is going to change unless she changes that mindset She's running the team like how her dad, the late Dr. Jerry Buss, ran the team. We're L.A. We just going to get stars. We're going to do what we got to do, and we'll be fine. Now, that strategy's cool and all when you draft Magic Johnson, uh, Kobe Bryant, when you trade for Shaquille O'Neal, when you trade for Anthony Davis. Before that, in, in the 70s, when you trade for or you acquire Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah, when you get the biggest and best, it's all good. But the problem is, is that in those years where you don't do that, you have lean basketball that's in the last 10 years the lakers have made the playoffs three times uh they went they won the finals in 2020 they lost in the first round twice the two other times the other seven seasons dexter you want to guess what their records were what their record was i ain't gonna let you guess every season under 500 500 i knew that yes i just know it's it's something really bad I mean, what are we doing here? You are the Los Angeles Lakers. It shouldn't be these peaks and valleys, right? The Lakers have a huge advantage going for them, Dexter, which is L.A. Lots mm-hmm. of people want to come play in L.A. Cool. Do that. Use that to your advantage. But did you know this team drafted in the past few years? Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, Ivica Zubac. Oh, my God. Who am I missing? Uh, a t- Jalen Horton. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Taylor Horton Tucker is the only one still with the team. Everybody else gone. You mean to tell me that the Lakers now would not be better with any of those players I just referenced on this squad? Yeah. You, even, well, it really comes down to this, right? One of the players you referenced it was the first player you referenced, and he's not a star player or anything, Kyle Kuzma, right? How about you had him as a role player? How about if you still had KCP? How about if you still had Alex Caruso, right? How about if you still had those players that not Crusoe, but the others that went out in the trade for Westbrook, which clearly did not work? How about that? I do think there's a lot to what you're saying that's a broader issue in terms of how we look at franchises, how we look at teams. And if the Lakers have the mindset that, hey, we're we are, yes, you have a very attractive destination in LA, but we're the Lakers, we get stars in what we do, and you don't focus on the things that Gerard always talks about, right? Team development, building, culture. Um, actually really looking at the chemistry and how mm-hmm. that might matter in terms of putting a roster together. Mm-hmm. All that stuff kind of matters. And if you're just ignoring that and saying, hey, we had the fourth highest payroll in the league, we should win. That's ridiculous. I'm like, Jeannie, I could tell you about the time the team I root for had two or three highest payrolls in the league and they weren't even close to sniffing the playoffs. <laughs> Spending money does yeah. not equate to winning, right. right? It's about how you spend it in the value. And if you spend the money badly, you will lose. Yeah, it, 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 the Lakers, you know, again, and I also want to be clear about something for the fans that may not know this. 
the Lakers are owned by the Bus Family Trust, right? Jeannie is the controlling owner, uh, the, the governor of the team. The Bus Family aren't like Steve Ballmer or uh, Wes Edens and, and, and the owners in Milwaukee or, or the guys in Philadelphia, right, or the guys in Atlanta. They, they, it's not venture capital, hedge fund, private equity money, okay? They, all those guys, or Microsoft is in the case of Bomber, all those, most of these other owners in the league have made their billions doing something else, right? And they've taken that money to then buy a team. The bus family, the Lakers is the, that's, that's where the money comes from. That's the family business, okay? And the problem with that is, is that they then don't allocate the resources because again, they can't just pull out, all right, let me just, let me just wheel in, you know, 50 or hundred million from wherever to do what I got to do on the operations side. So the Lakers in terms of an operations are thin. How much money do they spend in advanced scouting? How much money do they spend spend on analytics? How much do they spend on their training staff? All these things that matter on the periphery to help develop a team, player development. Again, do be the best of both worlds. We're LA, we get stars. Okay, we can always do that. But imagine if you kept just a guy like Caruso, right? And you continue to develop him. A guy like Kuzma, as you mentioned, developed. Kuzma would be so would have been so beneficial on this roster this year. Mm-hmm. Take the best pieces of your small market teams, like your San Antonios and your Oklahoma Cities and whatever. Develop, develop, develop. And when you do get lucky and you draft that ready-made superstar or you sign that big franchise guy and free agent, now we're cooking with gas, right? Because we got elite people and we have ooh, look at this homegrown talent we got, right? Because as much as you need stars, and Brian talks about this all the time. You know how teams win? Young talent on team-friendly deals and guys that get developed a la the dudes in Miami, right? Like, yes, mm-hmm. you need superstars. Don't get me wrong. You, you don't even in the conversation unless you have that. But that's not all that you need. Right. No, definitely. Now, the other thing, and you brought this up, right, in terms of the way the team is run, they, it's a, it's literally a family business, and I don't think – I think glad you cleared it up because sometimes I think people don't really understand that. They're not getting their money elsewhere, as you astutely pointed out. But one of the things I think you know, Gerard, and you've worked a lot in business and finance and, and that world, is that – and this happens a lot in any business – if you keep yourself insular, if you are not uh, spreading out your views, seeking different information, knowledge, bringing different people within your organization, it can be problematic. And so you hear in this conversation that Jeannie Buss has with Brian Plasky, the Lakers are still getting advice from Phil Jackson and Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, obviously a legend. There's no disparaging him. I don't say he doesn't know his basketball. Phil, I got to know this, Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss once had a relationship. They were once engaged. Obviously, now they're still friends, but Phil's been connected to the team. And I haven't even mentioned Linda and Kurt Rambis. I haven't even gone there. These are all people with long, deep ties and connections to the Lakers. Is it really good that she's still seeking advice from them? Because it sounds to me, Gerard, and tell me if you think I'm bugging on this, but it sounds to me like y'all are not changing who y'all might be hearing to get some new perspectives on things surrounding this basketball team. Yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. And look, I I know why she's doing that. She's loyal to these people because they, those names you mentioned, Magic Johnson, Phil Jackson, Linda and Kurt Rambis, they have all been instrumental during the glory days of the Los Angeles Lakers. All of those people have played a part in some way of those 17 championships or some of those 17 championships that the franchise has earned. 
That is also how her dad, Dr. Buss, did things, right? You gotta remember, Jeannie was handpicked and groomed by her dad to take over this team, right? That's that is what he did. Like he knew it wasn't Jim, it wasn't his other knucklehead sons. No, Jeannie's the one's gonna run this because she knows what's up. So she trusts all the people her dad trusts, right? Like those were the people that helped her dad. But it's like, yo, homegirl, I get it. You're loyal to all these people. What has Kurt Rambis proven that he can do outside of the Lakers organization? First of all, what has he done inside the Lakers organization besides when he was an actual player? What has he shown that he can do that will help you win basketball games? I haven't seen anything. Magic Johnson, all-time great. I get that. Not saying he doesn't know basketball, but, yo, the game's changed, my guys. Bill Jackson, again, ain't nobody running on a triangle offense anymore, my dude. Like, that's, that's not what we do here, right? The league is different. And she does not. She hasn't been able to step outside of that Laker bubble to attract the best possible talent and understanding of how the modern game is played. We talk about analytics. And I'm not saying you need to turn into an analytics organization, but do you rely on it at all? Does it help you make informed basketball choices? Right. I don't see that there, right? Again, it's just all these little areas where, and she's loyal to a fault, but you know, sometimes loyalty will hurt you. And I think this is an example where it's hurting them. Now, I want to be fair in saying about Jeannie Buss that she did say that she is willing to, and I'm paracording here, willing to make the decisions that are necessary if changes need to be made. Um, and so she did say that. So I want to be fair to her saying that in this article. However, she's also stood by general manager Rob Palenka. And I particularly, if I'm being honest, I've had a little bit of a problem with that. I feel like he's gotten a pass, Gerard, here, right? He And we've we've joked and... Some of this is joking, but it's also true. We talked about LeBron being the GM. We talked about this about a month and a half ago, about players making poor decisions as GMs, and we know LeBron has a hand in it. Let's not act like he does not. But Rob Palenka is the one who had the final say on these trades, or maybe Jeannie did, but he's the one that went and executed them. That did not work out. These signs, the roster building that didn't happen, the lack of development that Gerard brings up. Uh, are you with me on this, that he's getting a pass here? Because we're, we're not hearing a lot. We saw Vogel get fired. It yeah. was not his fault. No, no. I, no, I don't think Rob's getting a pass. Um, I, I think, look, it, it's, again, there, in, in, in situations like this when they go down, the blame pie, everyone shares in the blame. It ain't one person. Yeah, LeBron gets a blame for being very strident in wanting Russell Westbrook instead of what we allegedly heard which is that Palenka wanted to get buddy, a Buddy Heald deal done. And apparently LeBron said, no, I think it would have been better off having Buddy Heald. But, you know, that's just me. Um, you know, Palenka, remember, Palenka got that job because he's, he was Kobe Bryant's agent. Mm-hmm. Like, what experience has Palenka shown that he knows how to be an effective? Yes, I know that Bob Myers was once an agent. That, but, yo, man, like, just because it worked in one place doesn't mean it's going to work in another place, right? Like, and she's saying she's got confidence in Palenka. By the way, look at all the people we mentioned, Dexter. Mm. That boardroom, when they're making decisions, crowded and loud as hell. Jeannie's got something <laughs> to say. The Rambuses got something to right. say. LeBron and Rich Paul got something to say. Palenka got something to say. Phil Jackson got something to say. Magic got something. Damn, man. Like Too many cooks in the kitchen, man. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, yeah. that I think that's part of the problem there. Too many cooks in the kitchen. And there's... An, she says the buck stops are her, but to that point, Gerard, I'm not sure to what you're saying with all the cooks in the kitchen. I'm not sure where the clear hierarchy is there and Ouch. whose word gets valued more than another person's. Like, right? for instance, if if Kurt Rambis wants to go in a specific direction, 
and Linda is Jeannie's best friend. Does Kurt use Linda to advocate mm. on his behalf? But if Phil says he wants to go in another direction, how much does their past relationship influence how she... Like, you see what I'm saying here? Like It's kind every, of messy. It's everybody messy. got something to say, and if they're all come with it. And we know how much she loves magic and her relationship with... Like, who, who, who ultimately, what are you deciding if everybody comes in with a different, a different POV? Yeah. Along with the loyalty aspect that you mentioned too. It's, it makes it very interesting. Okay. Last thing on the Lakers. Um, Cause I find this interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we head towards off season, but what the hell can the Lakers do to return to championship contention next season? Because when you read this, it sounds like this is what Jeannie Buss wants. I mean, it's what Laker fans want too. You can want something. You yeah. can expect something. That doesn't mean it's realistic for it to happen. Uh, so, you know, do you think there's anything they can do to get back to the mountaintop or at least close to it next season? Look at my face. <laughs> I, I, look, you can hope for health, but that's not a strategy. You're, that You have no control over that. You can pray and hope that LeBron and AD are extremely healthy all season. They only miss games because they miss them because of rest. And AD plays like the best player, the best two-way player in the NBA. And LeBron maintains his same level of last year. That really is your only hope. But Dexter, like what? That's not a strategy. Like, right? Hoping for those two things, that's, you know, that's nothing. Look, we all know what the Lakers should do, and they're not going to do it. But what they should do is seriously entertain trade offers, not just for LeBron, but for LeBron and Anthony Davis. Rebuild this thing, man. Because look, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. That's what you got next year. That it, that's it. That's it. Th- those three dudes, by the way, their salaries alone got you over the salary cap. You're mm-hmm. already in luxury tax with those three guys. Then you got to fill out the rest of your roster, 12 through 15. With what? You don't have any draft capital to trade because the Pelicans control your draft for the next five years because of the Anthony Davis deal. So you have no young talent to move, right? I mean, unless, unless you consider Taylor Horton Tucker young talent, which Stop I don't. It. Right, which I don't. <laughs> so what what do you have that any team wants that is valuable? Right. The only thing you have that, that's valuable is AD and LeBron. That's it. They have very limited options. I don't know. They see what you're hearing from Gerard there is, I don't know. I, I don't see the pathway. Well, I mean, there, to Gerard's point, there is a pathway. Right. I'm just with Gerard that I don't think they're going to take that pathway. I think they might try to half-ass that pathway, which would be trading Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. because he's somewhat attractive as an expiring $47, 45000000 million contract. Jesus. But I'm with Gerard. You need to blow the whole thing up. Will they do that? No. no. And the reason they won't do that is because of what Gerard mentioned earlier, which is the old L.A. way, right, is to get stars, keep stars. You got LeBron, you got Anthony Davis, even though he's a star in street clothes. That'll still put people somewhat into the seats. Maybe, but for how long? And that's 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 the real question when it comes to talking to Lakers. At some point, Gerard, and I think you're really hitting the nail on the head with this. At some point, that old school thinking and old school model, it's going to have to bend or break. Or you're just going to have to see that it doesn't work, right? And so... Sometimes you need to develop, stick the course with players, not just chase the stars and think that because you're in a big market, you got to get a name and can win. Please, I mean, think, think about Le- it, Dex. Yes. LeBron said, get all these guys out of here. Get Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, all them, Clarkson, whoever. I don't want them here. Okay, it worked. You won a title in 2020. 
But ask me now, if you allow them to develop, would that team be way better now with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball? All right, you probably would. Not probably, you would be. Yeah, I think you would have had more sustained success probably in years three, four, five of LeBron's deal going forward than, you know, getting that quick gratification that you did with the championship. And then now you have what you have. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. It's going to be very interesting about them this offseason and and what they're able to do. Um, There's no hope coming in the draft, folks. So none. uh, (laughs) we will see what, what happens with that. We are going to take a very quick break when we come back. We're going to talk to you about how you can bet these games tonight. There's two tonight. Gerard helped y'all win some money last night uh, on a show with Jenna. We will talk about that when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play download the prize picks app today that's right use that prize picks code nba ex prospects they will match your first deposit up to 100 dollars. be sure to use that and uh, help win you some money now speaking of winning some money last night if you took the suns to cover if you took the heat to cover you did pretty good i believe when i watched the show Last night with Gerard and Jenna, Gerard, Gerard said exactly that. That turned out some of the player props he said did not help me. But you know, <laughs> he always he always says, "I'm not you saying won. I'm gonna hit them all, but I will win you some money." I get you some. I get you I'll some, get you man. Some. I'll, I'll tell, I, if you don't get you to the promised land, he will get you close. <laughs> he will say that. Um, first game tonight, uh, which is been a very very, very aggressive series that is sure to make our man Brian Fonseca smile. <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. The Bucks money line plus 190. They're underdogs in this one. Celtics are the favorite minus five and a half with the spread. And this is going to be an interesting one. It is a big game five. Boston got a big win in game four. I was very impressed with how they closed that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just, just fantastic. Jason Tatum bounced back, did his thing. What do you see happening here in game five, Gerard? As this series is worn on, Dexter, what you're seeing from Milwaukee is the absence of Chris Middleton and how it's affecting them. Because offensively, yes, Giannis is still getting his numbers, but they're able to stop him from getting to the paint late in games and forcing him to take jumpers, and he's not able to hit. And again, not having Middleton to score in the mid-range through that pressure release valve is a problem. Look, I don't know that Al Horford can continue this fountain of youth renaissance that he's on. My man played 42 minutes in game four, and we got a game, you know, 48 hours later, and I, I don't know they're going to do that again. However, I don't think that the Bucks role players are going to play well enough on the road and hit enough shots to matter. I like Boston in this one. I think they win it maybe comfortably. Um, 
and I and and you know in terms of the spread there. You know, the, the over-under, I'm going to kind of stay away from that just because the series is kind of weird in, in, in terms of over-under. Yes, they play good defense, but Boston could do a thing where they score 115 and the Bucks end up only scoring like 90 and you still end up hitting the over or whatever the number is. So stay away from the over-under, but I like Boston to win minus five and a half. Um, as far as player props, you know, the, the, the Jays, I like both of them to get 20 plus tonight and the Boston win. Uh, look at Marcus Smart to hit two plus threes. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm seeing from Boston on, on the Bucks side. I mean, Giannis 30 seems like a good play, but <laughs> otherwise I, I have no confidence in anything on, on anything else on the Bucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of with you on this one, that five and a half. I think it's a fine number for the Celtics. This, I have this feeling pretty much the same way. I looked at the Suns Mavericks last night. I'm with Gerard on this. The reason I love the Suns to cover there, and they did easily, obviously, and I think the same thing might happen with the Celtics tonight. Don't trust, didn't trust Dallas's role players on the road to shoot well in Phoenix. I do not trust Milwaukee's role players to shoot well here in Boston. I think the Boston crowd's going to be pumped up. I think the C's come out pumped up. I think Yemei is going to have these guys knowing it's ready. This is a game they have to take. You do not want to go back to Milwaukee 3-2. I'm also a little bit worried about Giannis. He's been putting up some monster numbers. And we know Giannis can put up some monster numbers and will that team to win. I just don't think that happens tonight. Could I see it in game six? They go down 3-2? Absolutely. And force a game seven. Just don't see it happen tonight. I'm with Gerard. They miss Chris Middleton big time. I like this five and a half number. Give me the Celtics. I, th- I think they win. Even if they get it closely, I still see them winning anywhere between seven and 10 points, yeah. if not more. I think they win pretty easily. In terms of player props for me, yeah, I would say stay away from the Bucks players on the road. Although I have one for you with the Bucks that's been a good look and it's been hitting for me throughout this series. For some reason, they've been keeping the number low on rebounds for Brooke Lopez. It started off early in the series at four and a half. Now it's up to about five and a half. And Brooke Lopez has been rebounding the ball pretty well. So if you see anything between five and a half, seven and a half boards, bang that over with Brooke Lopez. You're still probably getting some pretty good odds in that. Look at that. In terms of the Celtics, I think maybe look for one of their role players who's been struggling, Peyton Pritchard, Gerard's boy. See if he can hit a couple <laughs> of threes. Maybe look at that. Also, I'm, I'm with him. I like Jalen and Jason, each of them to go for over 25 points. I think they play very well at home tonight. Uh, if you want to bet on Al Horford doing what he did the other night, I would say take the under. I don't think he's got it again. If he does got it again, ooh, they might want to check him for some roids. He might be on that juice. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, if that. Al Horford do this again, they win an NBA title. All right? Like, that's it. They about to Yeah, win Al over. Horford looks like that. They, whew, they're going to they're be tough to beat. All right, so Celt- we got the Celtics covering. We like that. All right, second game. This is the one where I might have to send Gerard after the game, the video of Taps uh, for the Grizzlies. We'll have to play Taps on the Grizzlies. Golden State Warriors on the road in Memphis. Uh, they are four-point favorites here, the Grizzlies, if you want to take them, which Gerard probably will, plus 148. I think the Grizzlies are done like some Memphis barbecue. What do you say, Gerard? <laughs> he said like Memphis barbecue. <laughs> Look, you know I love my Grizzlies, but I just I don't see a way that they do it tonight. I just, again – the Warriors have been here. They know what this moment is, and they understand we don't want to have to come back to San Francisco to play a game six, right? We can get ourselves rested because that Western Conference Finals is going to be a hell of a battle, whoever they play. So uh, it was as it pains me to say, I think it's going to be Warriors minus four. I'm going to take that tonight. Uh, player props, look for Jaron Jackson Jr. 
two plus blocks. I think he'll he'll you know play well well again as as he did on the past few games. Um, look for look for Desmond Bain to potentially hit two threes. I think at home last ditch effort they kind of they kind of go out for that. But player props on Memphis, I'm kind of man on right now. It's not that I don't want to make it sound like they're they're like a team that's going to quit, but I just think that they're kind of defeated right now. Uh, their best player is not here. The wind's a little bit out of their sails. It's it's whatever young team goes with it. They realize, oh, that's what championship basketball is. All right, we got a lot of work to do. On the Warriors side, um, you know, Steph has not been shooting the three ball that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, look for look for Draymond Green possible triple double watch alert. You know, I could see him having one of those 10, 10, and ten games. You know, just because that's Draymond. Uh, Jordan Poole, Steph, and Clay. Look for each of them. I'd say. What kind of odds you get on each three, all three of them getting three or more threes? That might be interesting to play with. Um, if yeah. you want to do a parlay, three plus threes and a win, yeah, I can see that happening. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I think it's a wrap for the Grizz tonight. Um, I think they fight hard. I think the crowd will be really behind them. I like your Jaron Jackson Jr. prop uh, yeah. there with the two blocks. I think Jaron Jackson, who started off the game pretty well the last game, um, and I think showed some good stuff. I think he plays a little bit better at home tonight, even offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I always worry about him with getting enough rebounds in terms of a double-double watch, but I do like him with the blocks. I think he'll have some sort of impact. I might like him if you can see him over 14, 15 points. I might mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. there too. Um, I think the Warriors here, uh, here minus four. I think the Grizzlies hang tough with the Warriors, able to pull it away late. Uh, in terms of the Warriors and player props, I like Jordan Poole. He struggled the beginning of last game, but he played very well on the road uh, against the Grizzlies. And then he started playing pretty good at the end of the last game. So I like Jordan Poole. If you get anything with him, 20 or more points. I like that. Maybe two threes. I do also like that Bain pick, uh, Gerard. I think Bain plays a little bit better and steps up. Uh, I'll tell you who you should stay away from and play a prop. You know where I'm going with this, Gerard. Dylan Brooks. Man, unless there's like a prop for him to be like two for 17 or something. Like, nah, man, stay away from Dylan Brooks. It's tough, man. Dylan Brooks is definitely. Unless you go for steals with Dylan Brooks. Then I might say that that's what you might do. I like Dylan Brooks. It sounds like I don't like Dylan Brooks. I just. I just think he's yeah, messing it's, up somewhat of the flow of the team. It's it, it's tough for Dylan Brooks right now. He's he's kind of getting the lion's share of the blame for that game for a loss. And you know he definitely did some poor things. But it's you know we know about another time. But it may be time for the Grizzlies to move on from one Dylan Brooks. That's going to be a conversation. Yeah, but I like I like the Warriors here minus four. So I think we will go with the favorites tonight. One on the road, uh, Warriors minus four, and they would be the first team to advance to the conference finals in these playoffs and that will be interesting if everything goes chalk it'll be interesting because i know gerard and i talked about this way at the top of the year and we wanted to see grizzlies and excuse me grizzlies we, we did want to see the Grizzlies, but we want to see warriors and sons um thought that could be very interesting so you know hopefully this is what we get to see because i think that'll be a fantastic series in the east if everything goes to chalk well we don't really know with the Celtics mm-hmm. and the Bucks, but if it is Heat Celtics, I think that is fantastic. And uh, Brian is going to be insufferable <laughs> with the sports 90 to 88 every game, so that'll oh, be fun. Slobber knocker basketball, slobber knocker basketball. There you go. Brian's like, What? This is beautiful. What are you talking about? This is beautiful <laughs> basketball. All right, that's it for this Wednesday edition of the NBA Exchange from NBA with Nuance. Thank y'all for following us, checking us. Check out Gerard's work on True Hoop as well. Bring it in this Friday. They'll be doing their thing. They do it twice a week. See him and Coach Thorpe and Henry Abbott doing their thing. Also check out Gerard and Seven for this podcast with our girl Jenna Levincelli. 
who's been, you know, she's been shining on the uh, post. I, I see uh-huh. you shining, Jenna. We see you shining. <laughs> I see you shining all the time. Uh, check out the work there. Also, you know to check me out on A Heart Tell Podcast. We had a great episode this week with Chantel Shan uh, talking some sanctioned violence with Brian. You can probably wonder how that episode went. Uh, it's a lot of good talk about that. So be sure to check that out. Support us on all our platforms, please, as possible. Also, check out Gerard and Jenna Tuesday night's betting show that they do uh, early. Help y'all win some money like mm-hmm. we try to do here. He is Gerard Hector. I am Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.